0: Two, ready, one. Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA.
1: Fashion emergency update dad jeans for women are out. Ah! Right out. Okay. Right <laughs> out. Okay. I'm just, you know, and I don't make this stuff up. Right. I'm just reporting yeah. what's happening. Yes. Okay. So just make note of that.
0: Good there, note. There are yep. going to be riots in the East of Nashville. Also joining us, the <laughs> Director of Mission <laughs> and Save Reductions, Jed Brewer. Can I get a status check-in on Jorts?
2: Jorts
1: have been out and shall not be coming back.
0: Ah. R.I.P. Jorts, 1998 to present. <laughs> joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger.
3: Are we still against the infinity scarf, Glenn? The infinity
1: uh, scarf—it was out. It almost came back, okay, but not quite. It could be poised for a comeback, though. But still out currently.
3: But currently
1: still out. Okay,
3: Glenn, how do you feel about waistcoats?
1: Well, waistcoats—you know—it it it depends on. Are you an autumn? Are you a spring? Is this <laughs> tweed? I mean, you can't just you can't right. just universally... It was too broad that? of a question, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Look, these are controversial topics, but we take them on.
0: Well, you know.
1: That's what people expect when they tune into this show.
0: Fashion opinions from middle-aged men. <laughs> <laughs> it's what the internet was crying out for. Well, of course it is one of the most glamorous nights of the year. We record this on the evening of the Academy Awards. Yeah, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Uh-huh. Well, it's uh, the Oscars, as you may know them. It
1: it's widely considered uh, second to the the big award night of the year. Okay, I mean the big, you know the big the one. big one
0: the big one and that would be the 019 Thaddy Awards. What, what? Wow. it's time for the Daddy.
1: We're there.
0: Emergency. The night sky is empty for all the stars have come to the daddies. That's
1: right. This is the this is the big event every year. Okay. People like you know they you know they have like uh, parties, Oscar parties. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with the daddies. Sure, sure. It's
0: more of an after thing because we always forget when we do it. <laughs> right. Like I think it started out we did it at the end of the year. Yeah. And then like it just kind of floats into January. Right. And now. I'm gonna say we did it on Oscar week on purpose. Sure, yeah, I don't know that if that's strictly speaking right. true, but I'm going with that. Yeah. So it's kind of a none shall know the hour kind of thing. That's but you right. gotta have your your daddy party ready to go at the drop of a hat. That's
1: right. You gotta have it everything in reserve. Yeah. That's right.
0: Well, I say we jump in. I have the categories. Our friends from Price Waterhouse Cooper are here. There you with go. The sealed envelopes. Okay. Our first category, we start with tradition. The first award is for best beard.
1: Whoa, that's the big one. Yeah, It
0: is a big one. The nominees are Jesus. Oh, yeah. 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 I beard. assume that refers to Jesus of Nazareth. That might yep. be Jesus. I'm reading it. Sure, absolutely. We know people. Yeah, it's
1: it's, it's, the, it's your, your traditional Jesus.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Uh, second nominee, Abraham Lincoln.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Strong beard. Big
0: strong, yeah. Big showing from the no mustache contention on that one. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> right. right. That's, a, that's a certain way to go with it. Chin it's the Amish situation. wedding ring. There you
0: go. <laughs> Uh, third nominee, Matt King. Oh, oh yeah! wow. Yeah. The
3: awesome. perennial favorite, Matt this, King. This has been a strong year for Matt King, too. It
0: really yeah. has been. I've had my beard professionally photographed this year.
1: It's a post-marital beard.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, I'm the Meryl Streep of this award. We have our final nominee, a young up-and-comer in the category. That would be one, Glenn Fitzgerald. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I believe this is Glenn's first full year bearded. Yeah. He's coming in strong.
1: I... You know what? I, I'm 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 just telling you fellas, and this is a moment of vulnerability. I got my hopes up this year. A lot of okay. buzz, a lot of buzz around
0: the young up and comer out of Houston. That's right. <laughs> and buzz can only take you so far. I open the envelope, and the winner is well, that would be Matt King. Woo!
1: Wow! You know? Crap! You know. Let me tell you what. Uh, you know how they say it's a it's a pleasure just to be nominated. Yeah, yep. That's not the case here.
2: Okay, you feel
0: let down, disappointed. Yeah, hurt.
1: I I thought this was my year. Sure. I worked on the beard all year. That's sure. right.
0: Waxed, shampooed,
1: every you know trimmed. the whole you know. But you know, I just gotta go back to start it, it. You know, from scratch. Sure, start all
3: over again.
0: When right. when Reason. Glenn
3: posted those glamour shots onto his Instagram feed, I thought for sure he was. He was really making a pitch. Yeah. yeah, you
0: know, one has to wonder if going for '80s style glamour shots was a <laughs> <Yeah>. strategic misstep.
1: <laughs> a lot of uh, you know filters. Sure, yeah, laid you know. on the pillow with yeah, the, yeah, the strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, rouge uh, the soft focus lens. Yeah, a lot of uh, you know satin pillow. Oh I'm,
3: yeah,
0: uh,
1: resting my beard on and yeah. the whole thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: This is how we learn next year for your consideration, Glenn's beard. We move on. Oh, this this ties into a previous discussion. 2019 best fashion update. Alert. Oh
1: yeah, these okay. are these are important.
0: Uh, first nominee: faulted wool is still hot. Okay. Literally.
1: Uh, no, I uh, see, a couple that's, levels. That's wordplay right there.
0: Uh, second nominee: espadrilles are almost over. Mm. That's <laughs> a bit of a, a precognitive fashion update alert. Yeah. Uh, oh, a, a late arriving entry: dad jeans for women is over.
1: Oh wow! That was just this week, huh? indeed. Because was... <laughs> the thing is, question. you have to
0: be—it's uh, kind of like you have to be up here in one theater for a run in LA. We have similar rules. But yeah. yeah, the dad jeans take, but come in just under the wire. That's right. Some level of shenanigans, probably. The winner for 2019 best fashion update alert: felted wool.
1: Felted wool. Strong felted year wool. for felted wool. This is the year for <laughs> felted
0: wool. Don't know what it means, but it still sounds classy. We move on to say that. Political. Oh, yeah. 19 Nemesis of the Year. Oh, yeah. The nominees, the very concept of politics. <laughs>
3: that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. Going to be hard to top.
0: Second nominee, more traditional definition of nemesis, the Osteen Kanye mashup. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's both yeah. a nemesis because we've had beef with both of them. And it made me question the very concept of reality as I understand yes. it. And whether or not I was living in a pretty lazy matrix-like simulation. Sure. Yeah.
1: It really kind of came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, final nominee, Nemesis of the Year, Chicago winter. Yeah. Negative <laughs> 13 degrees last January. That was a high that was actually colder than the surface of Mars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Colder than Mars. It feels like that's going to be tough to beat. It does explain why Elon Musk wanted to try to make a tunnel here before he <laughs> tried that. The winner for 019, say that Nemesis of the Year... Politics. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah.
3: That makes sense.
0: I think that means some of the judges would take living on the surface of Mars if it meant not having to open their news app. This That's, is an actual.
3: Yeah. I, 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 this is just kind of an actual thing that happened at Christ Community Church this morning in Oak Ridge. I was preaching, and I did actually say the sentence: "Stop posting about politics. That's over now. Stop it, all of you." Yeah. yeah, there
2: you go. Yeah, Sage Council.
0: Yep. That's yeah. what we all need to hear. The message a weary world needs. We move on to another favorite category. Best 2019 Jed.
3: Yes! Oh, yeah. Mm. Best Jed. My favorite category.
0: Yes, for the uh, eighth year running, normal Jed does not make the list. No,
3: that's <laughs> what well,
0: <laughs> our nominees are. <laughs> Legalistic Jed. Yes,
2: yes. yes.
0: Megachurch pastor, Reverend Palpatine Jed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a... Uh, it almost seems unfair. That's a super-powered... Uh entry in the category, our final nominee for Best Jed, Bible Numerology Jed. Wow. Yes. Wow, yeah, maybe suggest. maybe the main that gave us the most material this year, I must say. That's
1: you know, they that's uh different ways of looking at that.
0: No know. doubt. The winner for O nineteen, say that, Best Jed Reverend Palpatine Jed! Woo! Woo! <laughs> A man who it seems dangerous to give an award to. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I'm kind of sad that uh, that movie trailer Jed never gets the love that he deserves on this award show. Oh. He's been robbed! <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like the idea of rogue movie trailer guy. <laughs> All right, our nominees for 2019, Christmas Ruiner of the Year. Oh! Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the nominees... Jack St. Nick Cage Fights Gnosticism, yeah. a guy in long johns with the word Gnosticism written on his chest. <laughs> yeah, that's... You may remember. that.
1: That's a our... vivid image that kind of yeah. does some damage to Christmas, I gotta yeah. say.
0: Well, it depends on how you feel about Christmas going in. Uh, second nominee, I believe, from the same unhinged rant, the rock band Kiss playing Christmas Angels while spitting blood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's from our uh, 80s revival tour. Yeah giants of christian of yeah christmas when, you, rock. when
1: you quote it out of context it sounds crazy Sure, absolutely. In, in, in the context it made perfect sense you had to be there yeah
0: our final nominee and perennial favorite for 2019 Runer of christmas award glenn
1: yeah okay it's well, what yeah. he does it's I'm, his strength i'm always in there sure yeah.
0: that's right but our winner for the ruiner of christmas is saint nick pile drives heresy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's that my right.
1: favorite right there
0: just saying if your numbers are down give it a shot
1: it's oh, just a dude in a in a pair of long johns that says Gnosticism on it, running for his life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> critically, he did not know what his role in this pageant was.
1: That's right.
0: He's just got a degree in theater from the Community College, yeah, and was excited for his big role. Yeah,
1: here we go. He's comfortable with improv, so that's, that's right. right. It all put out. it
0: on your resume. Most behaved, say that podcast member of twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah, best behaved.
0: We have, obviously, four nominees. Matt King, ineligible. Jed Brewer, ineligible. Yeah. Len Fitzgerald, it says here, double super secret ineligible. That's okay, strong.
1: well, that's a little hurtful, but... And okay. our
0: final nominees, Lee Younger. The winner is, for eight years running, one Lee Younger. Woo! <laughs> yes. 2019, best superfan mailed-in food item. Oh, yeah. wow. This Hotly is gonna be, contested.
1: This is going to be very hotly because it's like it could be a, a tie yeah. for all. yeah, of it could yeah. Be, we yeah. could
0: have to split this trophy several ways uh number one ketchup potato chips from sarah in canada
1: yeah that's right yeah, those are delicious those were very good
0: yeah. yes a uh, second nominee damn suckers from jacob in norway yes yeah. ikea number, ikea uh, candy kind of thing candy pastry yeah. thing very pastry, cool much I, lo-
1: did, I didn't care for the language on that well too. sure absolutely
0: Unrefrigerated kangaroo meat <laughs> from Australia by way of John and Patricia.
1: Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty strong. Yeah. It yeah. was
0: jerky, so we don't have to refrigerate it. It should yeah. be said. Yeah. But yeah, technically, yeah. it, it was, un-refrigerated. was
1: unrefrigerated. I think he smuggled it into the country in his pants, though.
0: Okay. That's a approved smuggling technique. Our final nominee for 2019 Best Superfan mailed in food item and our only domestic nomination oh. okay. shark jerky yeah. from Pete and Tosh Lawson, purchased in Florida.
1: Yeah, that's wow. right.
0: The winner for best super fan food item, kangaroo meat.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was delicious. I mean, you know, it's one of those, any of them could have easily won it. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, kangaroo meat, you know, that just, that took it that next little notch upward. Sure.
0: Yeah. That's, so we got a few more here. Let's move on to 2019 award for most provocative food discussion. Yeah. First nominee, Candy Corn. Good candy or best candy ever? Our second nominee, KOC Chicken Sandwich with Donuts for Bread. Still not sure if that's something we made up or something they did. Either way, it's No, I, I think uh, Jed listed that as yeah. a thing. Yeah. Wow, well, you beat the Colonel. Yeah. That's, that's something. Yeah. Final nominee, Tim Hortons. Now we can admit we like them because the Canada beef is over. That's right. The winner for 2019 Most Provocative Food Discussion, Candy Corn
1: yeah Whoa. yeah yeah Yeah, there was was a lot of feelings on that one
0: a lot of a lot of a lot of old a lot of friends became enemies enemies became friends yeah a lot of a lot of crying a lot of healing based around the candy corn
1: that's right (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) 2019 award for worst moment by a say that host wow okay a new category and one we could probably do several shows about yes Number one, Glenn criticizes vegans for failing to send fruit to the podcast.
1: That's true. I did do that.
0: That is unacceptable. Number two, Matt suggests that pastries sent into the podcast can be used as indulgences. So yeah, uh,
1: that's a tricky uh, theological I'm area. not clear
0: on the doctrine, but it feels right. Okay. Oh, well, okay. Our final nominee for 2019, award, say that worst moment by a host member. Jed calls KFC Gravy Scented Candle the greatest achievement of mankind. Yeah, and I stand by it, too. He is unrepentant. Yeah.
1: Doubling down on the Gravy Scented Candle.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Our winner for 2019 Worst Moment by a Say That host member is Lee Unger for not properly rebuking the previous nominees. Yeah, that seems right. That
3: really makes sense. (laughs) Way to go, Lee. You know, we really didn't see that coming after winning the Best Behaved. The, well, The official
0: yeah. position of the podcast is that silence
3: is consent. Yeah. yeah that's right.
0: All <laughs> right. We move on to the 2019 Edith Love Rumpel Memorial uh, Award for Lost been Bachelorhood. Been you. you can't see this at home, but the, the black and white montage really of me. single Matt King just sitting there. Just sitting there. No one and asking sad. what he's doing. That's right. No one wondering why you're just sitting
4: there, Matt's singleness, just standing in the kitchen,
0: eating here. some kind of food out of the packaging. No one asking why are you eating that food right now.
1: That's right, just
0: happening. Yes, a lovely tribute. Yeah, to, a tribute person.
1: to a lost bachelorhood this year. Yeah, we we lost a lot of good bachelors. Yeah, but none more monumental. And Matt King's yep. bachelor. That's right? yeah, yep. fair to
0: say. Wow. Well, that brings us to our next award category, the 2019 Best Tagline for Matt and Jenna's Wedding. Okay. Okay. Uh, number one, the bride's so nice he married her twice. That's that's a strong one right so there. You may recall, <laughs> discussed previously, we uh, the first one didn't quite take yeah. due to some paperwork failure from yours truly, who couldn't adequately write his own name.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> to
0: the satisfaction of the Cook County clerk, <laughs> meaning we had to go do that over again. Yeah. Some four weeks later, second nominee for best tagline for Matt Jenna's wedding: Game over, man! Game over! <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. That's, that's good. A solid yeah. aliens reference, which yeah, is always yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the final tagline: This I'm, I'm. I don't know what the the envelope says yet, but I'm guessing this nominee gets the uh, the popular vote award. Yeah. Okay. our best tagline for Matt Jenna's wedding: Finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was probably the single word I heard most. From our various Say That listeners and well-wishers, the winner of Best Tagline for Matt and Jenna's Wedding, The Bride So Nice He Married Her Twice. Oh, excellent choice. Twice yes. twice, double married. The 2019 Award for the Most Out There Moment in Cultural Christianity. Oh, okay. boy. Wow, First options. nominee, Reformed Dating App.
1: Okay, Yeah.
0: Second nominee, Pastor.
1: Yeah. 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 Wow. Strong. Real strong. This is, this is crazy.
0: Third nominee, Church Photo Booth.
1: Yeah, yeah, the photo booth. Yeah, yes. like you had to show up in the church. And that was how they were getting the millennials. Yeah, yeah. come yeah. with the
0: photo booth. Our final nominee for most out there moment of cultural Christianity: uh, Christian jelly beans. That's you right. Yeah. yeah, my parents uh, yeah, found right. these at a grocery store in Alabama. Seeds of faith. Like yeah. different colors calling. all meant something. Yeah. It really yeah. was all crazy. The whole yeah. thing. The winner for the most out there moment of cultural Christianity: Velocipastor.
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That
0: which makes has sense. gotten some traction. Uh, we had some, we have, we've had a uh, note that there are people trying to watch this movie, <laughs> only taking it in 20-minute increments. But uh, right. Superfan Guinevere is yeah. trying it out. I believe we saw some, some other mentions from people who are p- across that on their Amazon. Yeah. It's, it's a whole movement.
1: Yeah, take it take it in small shifts there. Absolutely. You know. Take it slow, man.
0: All right. We're we're heading into the home stretch here. Twenty nineteen award for Say That Innovations in Church Culture. Okay.
1: Mm, we've done a lot a to one. help the church this year. That's yeah, true. Trade ideas. That's really true. We're givers.
3: Nope. No
0: doubt about it. First nominee, holographic CS Lewis, who pretends to be interested in your sermon. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. strong. That was the real, the real key that unlocked that one was it's not for the audience. He sits in the audience and pretends when a pastor says something goes, Huh. Yeah. Never thought Mm, of that. Yeah. Second nominee, Subliminal Advertising for Churches.
1: Yeah. Right. That's
0: very good. (laughs) Third nominee, Ladies' Night Communion Service. Ladies' Drink Free. (laughs) That
1: doesn't sound right when you say it.
0: (laughs) Yes, I only read what's on the card. (laughs) 20, the, our final nominee for 2019, Say That Innovation in Church Culture. Use Marie Kondo method to hug people at church to see if they spark joy. Yes! Yeah, yeah that's yes. a good one. You can't beat that, you know. It's 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 hard to argue with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just be, being told, you don't spark joy.
3: Yeah, yeah. Don't hug, come
1: back. Hug the worship leader. Even yeah,
0: no joy. Know, no joy. See you. Our winner for the 2019, Say That Innovation in Church Culture, Holographic C.S. Lewis.
2: Wow. Okay. It's yeah. going to be a
0: moneymaker, man. Yeah. You pay for the extra triple platinum package, you'll get holographic CS Lewis go, I never thought of that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's a
1: premium package deal there. No that's doubt true.
0: about it. Our final award, Best Say That Podcast Superfan. Oh, boy. Hotly contested. Drum roll. The winner is you. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really true. That's, you. That's, specifically you. Yeah, not, not those other chumps. Not other people other not who other love, people the that are love listening. you. Just, Just you. you. We know
1: you are the cool one.
0: That's right. Not and those other people. Finally, our 2019 award for best box combo award with our 2019 best segue. <laughs> and the winner is Segway into the Bridge Box plug. <laughs> Woo! Wow. Bridge Box, a several years running winner for best box. Only eight dollars a month, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Get all sorts of good stuff in your inbox. Songs, sermons, bible studies, and more. Missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we move on to our first question here. If you hang us all the way to the end There's some ways you can touch this, or you can scroll down into your episode description and click the links there. First question comes in anonymously and it says, Sometimes I feel like I don't have a clue how to be a good parent. My parents weren't great at everything. I want to be the best parent I can be, but where do I start? And that's a fantastic question, whether you are in a position where you think you're going to be a parent or if that's just kind of you had a rough childhood and that's something that comes up, which we deal with a fair amount. So, Lee, where do we kick this off?
3: You know, I, I love questions like this, and I like this question a lot. And I can tell you that, that when when I was thinking about this and trying to write down some notes, I had a bunch of thoughts. It made me feel like I wanted to be on a phone call with with the question asker or kind of an email back and forth because there were a lot of things that came to mind that would be really cool to talk about. You know, when when your kids get a little older, one of the things that 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 Christy and I have been um, really experiencing a lot of just just uh, getting a lot of good results from is just kind of taking our kids out one at a time uh on kind of dates and asking a lot of questions and listening a lot just really really trying to make an intentional effort to get to know them where they are giving a lot of respect to the kind of problems and emotions and you know things that they're going through but the first thing that I would say to you if especially if you're at the beginning of a parent that's just kind of some random thoughts the first thing I would say is if you're at the beginning of a parenting journey is to find some parents that you respect when you look at people in your life and your community and your church community, find people who have good, you know, healthy relationships with their kids. Their kids like them. They seem to have a, you know, a healthy and a good thing. And ask them a ton of questions. Ask them, how do I do this? I've never done this before. I'm brand new at this. What would you you know, what what would you tell me, you know, kind of item by item? Another thing I would say is there's a there's a thing that can happen when you, when you start to become a parent where you can, it's really, really easy to get ahead of yourself, where you, th- you think, you know, I've got to figure out how I'm going to be a parent of a, of a teenage daughter right now, right when your daughter's born. Well, the great thing is you don't have to be. You're the parent of a baby, and then you're the parent of a toddler, and then you're a parent of a little elementary school kid. You get to do this stage by stage. Um, you don 't have to have all of it figured out right now the, so those are just kind of a few things that came to mind. but if I was going to pinpoint from my own uh, from my own experience both as a as a kid in my parents house and now as a parent of my kids, the most important thing that I would tell you, and I learned this from my wife watching her become a a mom is be very comfortable with the idea that you are sometimes wrong and you have to admit that to your kid and ask them to forgive you um, I can't tell you how how much the um, that one thing has given us a, a closeness and um, a, a depth of of understanding with our kids we we have their respect in a way that my parents didn't have my respect. There was a thing in our parents' generation where they were never wrong about anything. I, I can't really ever remember my parents saying, I'm sorry, what, the way I treated you last week was wrong, and I hope that you will forgive me for that. I actually cannot remember one time that that ever happened in my life. Um, of course, my parents were humans, and they were sinners, and they were wrong sometimes, but they never admitted it. There was a thing in their generation where they would just kind of double down on, I'm the parent, and I'm right. And to to such an extent that by the time we became parents, the first time I saw Christy saying that to our firstborn, I remember feeling like it was weird. Like, what are you saying? You're you're her mother. Whatever you say is right. And my wife saying, no, no, it's not. I was wrong in this situation. And I need to give her the dignity and respect of admitting that I was wrong. And that one moment has changed so much in the way I see this, the the dynamic of this whole relationship. What I'm kind of boiling down to is you are not going to get it all right as a parent. You are going to make some mistakes. You are going to screw up. You're going to hurt your kid's feelings. You are going to be wrong sometimes, and if you can have the humility to get down on your kid's level and say the way that I acted back there was wrong and I'm really sorry that I did that I hope that you'll forgive me and I'd love for the chance the chance for us to talk about it that is going to for that kind of vulnerability and humility is going to forge a relationship that you can't get in any other way besides humility and so I would say that's that would be kind of my uh, the, the first place, the, the, the big thing that where I would want to plant my flag is I'm not going to get this all right. And when I know that I've been wrong, I want to have the humility of being able to admit it to my kid and ask him to forgive me. Now, uh, again, there's like a million things that I would say about this. I'd love to have kind of an email exchange back and forth or a conversation or something like that. But that's one big thing I would say that, 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 where we could kind of correct some of the some of the bad direction of of our parents' generation, just being willing to be humble, being willing to admit that when we've been wrong, and having the humility to ask our kids to forgive us when we really do screw up.
0: That's a fantastic place to start off. And uh, Lee, uh, Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up there. Um, so I think Lee is spot on with someone who is going to go through this experience of of parenting. Um, let's maybe take this from the, the standpoint of someone who that's a little down the road for them, but they're kind of, as I said, reflecting on the fact that they don't feel equipped to do this. Yeah. I I wonder if part of that is them seeing being a parent as a holistic thing, right? A, an identity they're going to have to put on kind of yeah. as, as Lee is saying about maybe a previous generation saying, I have to, I have to parent and be parents and cannot, do human things like screwing up and admitting weakness. How's that kind of mindset disservice here?
1: Well, I like what you're saying holistic because it, it, you, you had to do it on a holistic level. That is to say, this is a person who has feelings. Uh, This is also a person that needs nutrition. This is also a person who uh, needs uh, patience and, needs to be taught things there's there's a lot of different hats that are necessary to wear in order to do all that parenting requires but I think sometimes we struggle when we're good at one of those and so we just want to do that double good and then we can skip some of the rest I think for for my parents they they were great with the physical stuff you know if someone was sick we'd go to the doctor if you know if someone was hungry there would be food and so forth but when someone would have a feeling, it's like, what? What is that? What's yeah? Why? Why would feelings matter in the world? You know, you say, well, you know, this is. I have an emotional life. I would like to live it in a healthy way. Can we discuss it? Well, you know, you 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 have food in front of you. What? You know, what else is there? Uh, So I think at times we can get the wrong goals going. I think it's a a great goal uh, if you are looking forward to having kids in the future or or if you just started the parenting road. I think it's a great goal to to try and raise happy children. Yeah. That's a great goal. It's a tough goal. It's a big challenge. But uh, I want them to be happy. You know, that will sort of define a lot of choices for you because you for if you ask my parents what's your goal, look, keep them out of jail and get them to have a college degree. So why would that be the goal? Well, you're going to live a, a good and full and happy life if you stay out of jail and you get a college degree. Yeah, but here's the thing. I could be happy now. Like right now. <laughs> uh, there's Crazy a lot talk. Of, there's a lot of misery on the way to maybe being happy could I be happy now? Is that allowed? You know, can we talk about that? So, uh, so again, I think sometimes we we sort of get in that mindset of, you know, when kids are little, like you can't turn your back for a second. You know, see that all-consuming thing of I must care for their physical needs gets all the way into your brain. When when there's other needs that happen and the physical things are not so much there, we have to shift those gears as kids progress. Uh, so we had to figure out what kids need you know what 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 's going on that 's exactly what I was getting out of what Lee was saying there of different kids have different needs they need yep. different approaches uh, and respecting that, I love the word respect in there I think that 's a huge uh key word to to focus on uh the uh, kids need that respect uh If you know what your child's strengths and weaknesses are that's going to help you a great deal as you as you work with them uh you know my first uh, job right out of college was working with juvenile delinquents and uh you know it was it was a, sometimes a real struggle to deal with people who had extreme problems with uh, managing their behaviors but when you learn to show that respect when you learn when you could see what their strengths were and you could help them access it uh the turnaround was really miraculous so uh, uh, tuning into what kids need, what 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 uh, where their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, help them manage that is really important. Uh, a final thing I think is being comfortable with imperfection. That's really dovetailing with what Lee was saying there. Uh, in golf, they say golf is not a game of perfect. You you don't swing the club and the ball goes directly in the hole. You get it near the hole, and that's that's the best we could do here, and we're happy with that. With parenting, you're making the best of a constant, ongoing, massive wave of disaster that's what that's what it is and there's There's a constant comparison thing, like everything else in life. We compare ourselves to the other people around us, and other people sometimes give us a rosier view than what's really reality in their world with parenting, the same way they do everything else. Your kids will come in and report what's happening in other families and invite you to compare yourself. So there's that. Uh, but you know, I was having a conversation recently with my auntie, and um, I won't tell you what her age is, but it's up there, and, and she's a grandmother now. So uh, you know, she's she's a long, long ways removed from the her own child rearing that she did uh, with my cousins. And I told her, I said, I, when I look at trying to advise people on how to be a healthy family, I actually use you as an example of the way that you are with your kids and, and what I see in your grandkids. That's an amazing example. And I just want to thank you because you, you've given me that, that thing. And I I've I've shared that with many other people. And you've helped other people by being the kind of person you are. And she was just absolutely shocked, and my uncle was sitting next to her, and he his mouth was hanging up, and he says, "You know, uh, it, that's great to hear because we just had no idea."
0: Hmm.
1: You say, "Well, you, you both of your kids are successful, and your grandkids are spectacular people, and it's just you couldn't. I mean, every sign is there, but it's hard to know." And living with that, and recognizing it's not a game of perfection. We're making the most of challenging situations. Uh, if you can embrace that, I think you can you can properly gauge how well you're doing and be healthier with it.
0: That's really really good stuff. And Jed, let's continue down that tack for uh, folks who are considering the idea that they may one day be parents, as opposed to people who are kind of specifically staring down the the doubts that. Because as least started us off, if you you're going to have a kid, there's a that's a Thousand particulars. Yeah. Know, we have it still in this, uh, kind of theoretical. I think that's where a lot of more of this emotional landscape stuff can kind of come in. But one of the things I really like about the way we handle things on the show is giving people kind of a thing as you often put it, something you can do tomorrow. Yeah. So if you're not going to have a kid tomorrow, yeah, th- there are probably things you could do to be a better parent and work on those skills you're going to need when the time comes. Right.
2: No doubt. No doubt. And I think the following applies to whether you have some someday have kids, but it also applies to being a good sibling, um, being a good cousin to people, uh, being a good auntie or uncle. Um, And I think that there's, there's two things that you can look at. The first is figure out how to set a good example. Um, uh, This is exactly what, what Glenn was just describing with, with his auntie. But the truth is people pay attention to your behavior far more than your words. I mean, almost infinitely more than your words. The The whole do as I say, not as I do thing doesn't work. So I think figuring out how to live a life that other people would do well if they did similarly. I recognize that's a tall order, but but so it is. But learning how to set a good example, that's... That's really the thing. And again, that will enable you to be not just a good parent, but to be a good auntie, a good uncle, a good friend, a good neighbor, a good, a good everything, uh, actually. And one of the key things that will allow you to do that, and it is for sure something that you can do starting today, starting tomorrow, is to look at areas in your life that are weaknesses for you, that are rough spots for you, and start the journey of doing something about those things. That's not to say that you transform them, and it's certainly not to say that you transform them overnight, but it's about to say I'm working a process of improving those things. So if uh, maybe you're a person where anger is kind of a struggle, you, you have a bit of a temper and you're prone to fly off the handle, you can work on that. There are things that you can do about that. You can take anger management classes. You can talk to a counselor about that. You can um, devote part of your personal Bible study time to looking at what the Bible says about anger. Actually, you should do all of those things. Um, That doesn't mean necessarily that you ever get to the point where you are just the picture of calm and peace and collectedness at all times and all situations.
0: Um, Sir, I can't help but notice that you backed your car into my leg. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pinned under it if you... I know this is inconvenient for you as well, but if we could do something about that, that'd be great.
2: Yeah, that's that That may never happen. I mean, it'd be great if it does. Uh, it'd be great if you reach that level of just <laughs> Zen detachment from the world. Uh, but what will happen is you'll improve. You you will get better. And and a couple things will occur off of that. The first is, it's a lot easier to be a good parent if you don't have a raging anger problem. Uh, it, it's right. also a lot easier to be a good anything if, if you don't have a raging anger problem. But the second thing is, all the – and here's the funny thing. and This is really important. I think we have a way of saying, well, I need to get to that point and then I can be a good whatever it is without recognizing actually people seeing you on the journey of working on your stuff is the thing that's going to make you the good whatever it is, the good yeah. auntie, the good uncle, the good cousin. It's people seeing you recognizing I've got an issue here. I've got a, a, a problem here. I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to stick to it. And I'm going to get better with it, even if it's not amazing. And the reason that's so important is they all have stuff like that too. Right. We all have issues. What we're looking for in a kind of a, a leadership figure, whether it's a parent or not, is someone that can show us the way, someone that can guide us on how to live our own journey, who can set that example for us. Again, you can start doing that right now in your own life today. It will pay dividends for you. It will pay dividends for everybody that you care about. And if the Lord someday does put you in a position to have children, it will make you all the better parent for it.
0: All fantastic stuff from these guys. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously and it says there's someone at church. I have discomfort with. It's not full-blown drama. Nobody did anything wrong. It's just weirdly tense. We're in each other's orbit, but we don't partner in ministry or anything. Things can feel awkward to me, but it's not unbearable. Where's the line for when I should say something and Glenn, let me get you kicked off. I think this is a really interesting question. And we, you know, we, Unfortunately, I spend a lot of time uh, dealing with problems where someone just does something at church that's so far out of bounds. You, the, the holdup is almost how comedically insane it is. Right, like we have to right. bring it back into something that we actually can do with. But I, when you get people, personalities, and all that stuff, there can be things like this. And it's, I, how do we deal with this kind of in between where, you know, to use an analogy you often use, which I kind of referenced last thing. No one stepped on my foot. So right. I can't necessarily point to uh, this was bad, but it just feels like there's something here that's not yeah. clicking.
1: Well, there's a, a few things on this. One is if if it's a genuinely unhealthy situation, then getting some distance is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, if somebody has a, an issue that they're dealing with that they haven't resolved, and it's just kind of setting you off in a certain way, just, you know, you know you're having a, a sort of a tough go of it yourself. It's okay to let somebody else uh, help that person and and create a little distance. That's that part's okay, and I think some of that has to do with managing how we think about relationships inside of a faith community because I sometimes those expectations are kind of high. Like I'm I'm following the Lord, they're following the Lord, therefore this. Should be something pretty close to a utopia in here <laughs> well that's uh it that sounds right, but uh you're imperfect they're imperfect um uh, we just put all our imperfections in the same room this is not this is uh this is not going to be utopia uh but I think there is a problem when we're letting things build and build and build and build. Uh, that's an unsustainable situation, and that's creating a real problem. If you—if somebody is just—and we've all had this in church where somebody just drives you up a tree, and that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and you feel like you can't say anything because if you say anything, you're just going to end up screaming it at the person. And then what you end up doing is talking about that person behind their back, and then, you know, that— can go from sort of a counseling and venting to uh, griping and rumor spreading and and getting everyone else upset about this person's behavior uh, so that begins to cross a line, and at that point you realize well i I should have confronted this earlier and spoken up and and tried to set a boundary here try to to define things. The the truth is, uh, it it is not benefiting the the church. It's not benefiting the 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 social life that happens, the fellowship that happens inside of the church, by letting people with problems just rip and run with those problems. Uh, we've all been in those kind of communities, and there's just one person driving us all completely insane. That person needs to be dealt with. I need to be confronted in that but here's the here's the 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 thing we need to do with that actually two things we'll look at the first thing we want to look at is to approach that from a problem solving perspective as opposed to a i don't like what you're doing perspective. if I come to someone uh, so for example uh, there are people who just uh i'm i'm a, a, becoming more of an older person you, when you reach a certain age and you get a certain amount of gray in your beard you figure out all of a sudden who has daddy issues because it just they're just projecting that onto you it's just a weird thing that happens you just become old enough to be seen that way by people and it just you, you say oh okay that's what that is you because it's such a contrast you see what's going on there Uh, but I can't approach that by saying you're acting funky and I don't like it. You say, tell me about what's going on with your relationship with your dad and how you feel with with that. Is there something maybe unresolved there and help them Uh, trying to get in that helpful place as opposed to a griping place is key. I think the other thing that's key on that is having more reasonable expectations and setting a, a, a healthier goal if I can get this person from crazy to mostly tolerable, that's great. Uh, if I can help this person uh, deal with their issues where we're moving forward proactively, they may still mostly drive me crazy. And we we may never be buddies as far as that goes. But I, if I set a reasonable goal of let's just kind of get it to where we can hang— I think you're going to find it a lot easier to hit that target you're aiming for. Sure. That's
0: really, really great point. Leo, I'd love you to pick us up there, because I think one of the things uh is pointing us to is there are some questions that are good to look at before we just kind of go reacting. That could be questions about what this person's motivations are, what our situation is. So what are some good questions we can look at as we're trying to process this?
3: Yeah, I think that's a really good way to set it up. One of the things that I think is so interesting about this Question in particular is the the way that it was asked um, to say nothing's really happened um, because I, I completely and totally agree with Glenn. I mean, we we all have you know we've all tried to have community with you know different groups of people, and then there's that one person that's out of pocket, and the question is who is going to have the guts to go confront this person and deal with it, and 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 as. Uh, longtime listeners of the show will have heard Glenn say before, the, you know, the longer you wait on that, the more expensive that conversation gets. When we have that kind of a person in going on, you know, uh, you know, being out of pocket and all that kind of stuff, we just have to have those conversations. When you get into a situation like you're describing here with this question, where it's like, it's just hard to see, there may not be a bunch of misbehavior. We're just not clicking um, for, for whatever reason when i when i hear th- there's a certain tone about this question and and i've seen this kind of thing in in our church and with you know talking with different people one on one who have these types of situations where i would encourage someone to start asking questions of themselves um to look in the mirror and find out does any of this start with me um now uh, i got to be real clear and say from the jump These are kind of difficult questions that it takes a really mature person to ask of themselves. But does any of this start with me? If I did some real deep investigating on my own self on a couple of fronts, like one, is any of, you know, us kind of missing on each other, is any of this because of some insecurities or jealousies on my part? In other words, did this person actually do something that we need to call out or confront? Or... Um is there some work that I need to do on myself so that I can get past something that they can't actually help me with because they didn't they didn't actually do anything. Um another question would be have I had this kind of feeling with other people before? Are there any kind of common denominators? Um the, the reason that I would suggest asking some of these questions is because of the way this question was set up. You can't find this, this moment of, of misbehavior where a lot of, like, a lot of senseless drama breaks out. We just aren't really getting along. And so that's why I would, I would suggest kind of this, this inward look before we get to the place of the confrontation. Just to make sure, like, I'm doing the work on me that I need to do to make sure that I'm doing this relationship in a, in a super healthy way. I'm, I'm coming at this relationship. I'm seeing myself in a healthy way. Um, have I had situations like this before? Is there a common denominator on that uh, on me? Do I have any emotional setup or any things that I need to look at whenever I'm around this person? Um, if I know I'm going to be around them, are there some centering kind of things that can help me get past some of my stuff that I can work on in myself? Um, This is not always a comfortable part of this conflict process, but I think it's a necessary part. And it's a necessary part for people who are growing in maturity to say, I want to make sure that if there's even a chance that the place where we're missing each other is, I've got some insecurities and jealousies and stuff like that that I need to work on, that I'm going to get those dealt with and I'm going to get those out of the way so that we can see if this problem is a them problem or it's a me problem.
0: That's a very, very good point. And one of the things that's important here is um, I think it's easy to confuse maturity and kind of open-mindedness with assuming and insisting on it being your fault. Sure. I think as Lee described here, it's it's an important question to ask, but you do sometimes have to – sometimes the answer to that question is no. And this other person is just kind of being funky on that. So, Jed, I'd love you to give us something actionable here. Um, what can we do? Let's say we've, we've asked the question, am I doing something wrong here? We've come up with no. Yeah. So the, the answer forward cannot be for me to change some kind of behavior. Right. Is there a next step I, I can take to kind of help ease the situation?
2: It definitely is. And we want to be clear. This is a great question. We're really happy that you wrote in. The details really, really matter uh, because you could be describing yeah. about a dozen and a half different situations that uh, go from, you know, a situation where, as Glenn's describing, pastoral care uh, and almost a confrontation really is is necessary to the kind of things that Lee is talking about where it's, it's time to do some soul searching of, am, am I the one who's being weird here? Um, there, there's the details really, really matter. Um, you know, again, there, we could be describing a lot of different situations, but one of the things that comes up a lot in life and it happens in church too, is sometimes we feel like we don't vibe with a person. And part of the reason for that is because we haven't really interacted with them. Some people just come off as awkward. Um, and they're not a bad person and they're actually not an awkward person. Once you get to know them, they just they read that way. And so the answer to now, that –
1: A lot of times people are just kind of trying too hard yeah. and, the, yeah, they don't know how to be.
2: Exactly right. Exactly right. So the answer to that, one of the commonalities that, that you're going to see kind of with, with all of this is it's going to work better the faster you act. So uh, the, the, the kind of doing nothing and hoping that your attitude improves and their behavior improves is probably not the way to go. Um, probably, you know, acting sooner is better. But one of the things that we can do is just intentionally spend time with that person. Um, I can't tell you the number of people I know who are kind of weird in a group. Um, but if you get them kind of one-on-one, they're just delightful. They're just they yeah. open up and they're just the, the the coolest people. But if you only ever act interact with them in a group context, you'd feel like, is it just me? Or is this guy kind of funky? And is that about me? Or like what's where's where's all the funk coming from? What's this guy's deal? We're just nuts. It's just how he is, man. But but again, if you get with him one-on-one, he's a different dude and he's and he's totally cool. So part of the answer is just hang out. You know, I think yeah. it's worth looking about, thinking about, praying about do you owe it both to yourself and this person to just go grab a cup of coffee with them. And it's not that you need to talk about the tension because if you sit down and say, I feel like there's a lot of tension between us. Do you feel that too? (laughs) That that's going to be awkward.
0: No, (laughs) I'll take that to go, please.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But just dude, how you doing? How's, how's your life going? How's work? How's school? You know, what, what's the latest and greatest? Um, It is possible. Here's part of why this, you know, in certain situations is a good strategy. It's possible that you, you sit down, you say, you know, let's grab a cup of coffee, say, how you doing, man? How's life treating you? And they're exactly as weird as they always are. In that moment, we have great intel. We've we've learned something. It's just it's not a group kind of it's just this is just a very weird person. And we can figure out a strategy from there. That but it's valuable intel to have. There's every chance that they begin to relax and they begin to open up and you realize you have way more in common than you thought you did, and you're able to, to vibe with them in a way that you weren't sure was possible and maybe find out you actually kind of dig this person. They're 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 a cool person. But we, there's no way we can discover that if we don't kind of take the risk and the chance just to to hang out with them and, and get to know them a little bit and, and give them kind of a safe place to begin to be themselves. Um, that may be you shouldering a bit more of the burden than is, strictly speaking, completely equitable, but this is Christianity. So, you know, that kind of goes with the territory, um, you know. There, it is certainly possible that, you know, there's, there's something really funky going on that we need to look at it, but it's, it's always good to kind of exhaust those initial options of a, as is saying, have I looked at my own, um, hangups? Am, am I being weird here? Have I given this person a chance to open up and be, and be cool about things and just be themselves again, not even talking about anything deep, just, you know, just talking about life, um. And then obviously, if, we, if, if there's other stuff going on where uh, there needs to be, as Glenn's talking about, more of a pastoral care thing, more of a, a confrontation thing, we can we can look at that. But it really is an amazingly powerful thing to just create a safe space for people to just hang out in a social context.
0: And it's absolutely true. One, one small thing I tack on the end there is another way that can help out to hang out in social context. And even if, if it, things haven't gotten enough where you do want to bring up the tension, don't open with that. Yeah that's no. not what we want to do. But if you feel like the to we talked about, one of the things that that does help is I think in some ministry environments and some church environments there's this weird thing where people get strangely territorial and competitive without really realizing it. Definitely. So, you know, um you the these people do you, you do college ministry now and they like used to do that and they're a little older now, but they don't really it's almost like no one ever everybody's talking about how great you are at college ministry, but when they were doing college ministry, no one even cared at the old at the old church they used to be at, or you know the, this was the funny guy in the the youth group, and now this other kid comes in there's a whole crazy amount of weird parasocial dynamics, so another thing actually sitting down and having some some non constructed hangout times hopefully gives you is an ability to ease out of those roles yes definitely and some other things that are can be contributing factors to to tension that you might be feeling and as these guys said you know it's it's a lot of this stuff does come down the civic so as always feel free to email us if you have more that you want to get into we can do that offline all right we right, we're jump to our final question here it comes in and honestly and it says i leave my church on sundays feeling fired up but i don't know how to make that feeling last through the week what do i do and jed where would we kick off
2: well, we're glad for your question. We're glad you wrote in, and we're really glad for you. You go to a great church. That's awesome. We're really glad that you leave your church feeling fired up. That's that's a huge blessing. So uh, good on you. That's great, and good on your church. Uh, and then, of course, it's worth noting, I know you know this, but it's helpful to hear people say it out loud, no feeling lasts forever. There's, yep. there's no such thing. You know, so, um, you know, you're you say, how can I make that feeling last through my week? That may be a tough goal to have. Uh, the idea of, I'm just going to maintain, you know, a really jazzed up, fired up feeling for seven days. That's, that's hard. That, that's pretty difficult. That, that may be unattainable. Um, but I, I would encourage you to maybe look at a little bit different question that that goes along with what you're asking, which is how do you use that feeling in an effective way while you have it? you know, we all have uh, different limited resources that that we're dealing with. You know, one of the ones, if you have listened to the show while you first talk about it before, is the idea that for most people, willpower is an incredibly limited resource. So you, you want to avoid strategies that just massively depend on you having infinite sources of willpower because you don't. So that, that would not be a great strategy. You want to kind of spend your willpower carefully. So with that in mind. There are things that you can convince yourself to do, I mean, let me use your phrase here, when you feel fired up, right? There's all kinds of stuff that you might shy away from normally that you're more willing to do when you're fired up. I mean, if you actually look at our previous question, it's a really good example. Suppose that you look at it, you think about it, you pray about it, and you decide, there's Steve, he's kind of weird, but I really haven't given him a chance, and I should I should set up a hangout time with Steve. That's It's the right thing to do. It's It's what I want to do. It's one thing to decide this is the right thing to do. It's another to be like, I'm excited to go talk to weird Steve and say, would you come hang out with me and have coffee? I mean, because that's probably going to be kind of awkward. It would be really helpful if you had a fired up state that you were in that you could use to fuel this otherwise kind of awkward encounter that, that you're going to have. I bet if you think about your life, you've got all kinds of things that are... They are good. They are worth doing. They are good ideas. They're good decisions. But you don't exactly look forward to them. You know, I mean, uh, it's about that time of year. Nobody looks forward to doing their taxes. You do need to do them. uh, And it's 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 a good thing and that it's a moral requirement, but uh, nobody looks forward to them. So, like, if you had a certain kind of fuel you could access that would make it easier to get over the barrier and do your taxes. That would be really useful. You know, that would be helpful. Well, that's actually what you've got with your sense of feeling fired up when you leave church is you've got a special kind of fuel that you can use. It's limited. So you can't use it all week and you can't use it for everything, but you you can use it for some things. So I think it's worth looking at what's the stuff that you know you want to move forward in your life, maybe in your spiritual life, maybe just in, in life life that You know you want to move forward and you know it's good and you have a sense of what to do, but it's hard to get motivated on it. It's hard to get going on it. Use that fired upness that you feel as fuel for that. And then, critically, go back to church next week and get fired up again. That's how that's supposed to work. Get fired up and go and take the next step on that journey. Pretty soon you'll get to a point where it's easier to keep going on that journey because you see some momentum, you see some progress. And then you can use that fired up fuel for the next thing. That you kind of know you need to move forward, but you don't really want to work on, and it's kind of hard to get in motion. I think if you use it that way, I think you'll see some great results and some great progress, and I think you'll feel better about your life generally.
0: That's a fantastic place to start off. And Lee, as someone who's a pastor to church and does worship leading, does preaching, I think there's, uh, as Jed saying, there's a lot of good in this. I think we 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 talk about the limitation of emotion a lot on the show because that's what Christian culture is trying to sell so hard, but there there's a real positive here in trying to, in, you know, leaving a Sunday morning service fired up, feeling like you've got something you can carry on. So what else can we do to kind of carry that through?
3: Well, you know, I completely, I'm, I'm just aligned with Jed on this completely. And what's interesting is in conversations I've had with, with all the hosts on the show, but especially with Glenn, when it comes to preaching, Uh, We talk often, um, and we've spent a lot of time in the last year talking about, um, with preaching, coming in on the right note, that during the course of a sermon, we want to to start at the place where people are most likely to hear, and what we typically do with that is we want to start our message with a felt need. We're going to start with your emotion, but... If you were to analyze the sermon and not just listen to the sermon, what you'd find is at the end of it, we're going to try to give you practical tools for what to do next week. This is a really interesting thing. We're actually, what Jed's talking about you doing, uh, the the way that we think about preaching is we already want to be moving you that way. We want to start our message at that emotional, the correct emotional note so that we're all on the on the boat together. And then by the time we take a foot off the stage, the people that are listening feel like I've got some goals in mind and I've got tools in my hand to accomplish those goals. The thing is, it's exactly what Jed's saying. Emotion is is wonderful and it's fantastic and it it feels great when you feel a, a really positive emotion. But... It's the things that we do for the Lord that change the world, not the things we feel for the Lord that change the world. And that's a really critical thing to understand. It feels awesome to have great emotional highs about Jesus, but it's the things that we do for the Lord that change the world. And so, what we want to do is we want to take that emotion, exactly like Jed is saying, and we want to set goals with that. And I want to get tools in my hand for that. What is it that, that like, okay, I'm feeling really excited uh, because I heard this sermon and now I just feel a burden for the world. What I want to do with that is, with that energy, with that emotion, with that emotional high, I want to set a goal for this week of, I'm going to reach out to that awkward person <laughs> at, you know, uh, uh, across the room, or, you know what, I'm going to take this moment right here where I'm feeling just like, I'm just feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to have that hard conversation with that person I've got a little low-grade conflict with. I'm doing it. I'm doing it today. I'm setting the date today. We're going to meet on Tuesday. Um, Whatever the thing is... We want to take this emotion and we want to go ahead and set some concrete plans in motion for things that we want to actually do during the week. The weird thing is that when we get to that meeting, um, and this happens to me all the time at church, where I'll have somebody approach or somebody wants to talk or somebody needs to pray or something like that, and I'll say, why don't you tell me about your schedule this week and let's go ahead and plan a chance to get together. So we'll find out... dude's uh, next available thing is uh, we could meet up on a, on a Wednesday morning for some coffee or some breakfast or something somewhere. Great. Let's do it. The thing is, neither one of us are going to be feeling these warm fuzzies from church on Wednesday at 7.30 a.m. That's not going to be the thing. But we used that moment to set that date, and now we're going to have that conversation. And that's that's the kind of thing that we want to do with this is this is the way that I see kind of putting legs to what Jed's saying is is we're going to use that emotion to actually set some goals and set some concrete things that we want to do for the Lord because again it's the stuff that we do for the Lord that changes the world not the way that we feel about Him.
0: A really really excellent point. And Glenn, where do we close this out? Well, I think
1: what I'm getting from what both Lee and Jed are saying here is to think outside the box to. Uh, to, th- I think when we're involved in church, we sort of let church dictate what it is. You know what I mean? You, we go on Sunday. Here's when the service starts. Here's when the service ends. Here's what's going to happen in between. And I'm just doing that. And I come when it begins. I end after it's done. And that's my spiritual life. You know. That's the you know. Right it has been defined by that. But what these guys are saying is let that simply be the jumping off point and to think outside the box of that and to also figure out what for you energizes you and excites you. And I'm with Lee. That's, you know, if you think, uh, if you take the most exciting worship service I have ever been to and compare that to an average day of helping people get closer to the Lord, uh, I promise you, that average day far <laughs> <laughs> exceeds it. I'll, I've been to some great worship services, but you know, um, uh, believe me, there's a lot more to be discovered, so use it as a jumping-off point. Use it as a springboard to greater things. Uh, that's what we want for you. We're excited for you on that. I think uh, part of this is, as these fellows are also pointing out, there are things that drain you and looking at what those things are. So think of it—I've been trying to look at my— emotional and spiritual life is like a budget so that I figure out how much I have in reserve for general nonsense and chaos and madness. And then I'm looking at also what I'm spending out because some things are more expensive than others. Some drain me more than others so that that allows me to budget my time with things and set my schedule in a smarter way. So I think it's important for you to recognize what really drains you and why it drains you, and and make adjustments to that. For a lot of people, your schedule is the most uh, satanic thing in your life. Hmm. the 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 overfullness level of it, the things that dominate your time, the things that drain your will to live the things that choke out the possibility of doing the service type stuff that Lee was talking about. uh, It's hard for God to squeeze himself into all of that. If God can't find a place in your schedule, scrap it all, start over again, start canceling some things out here, figure out what what you need and, and where you need to put it. Think outside of the box with that. Give yourself permission. There's a much better life out there for you. We want that for you. Final thing is, uh, take a look at fellowship. Fellowship can be really key. I think especially if you combine it with uh, that service piece, you're going to find a lot more alignment with other people. If you are having a peak on Sunday and it's sort of all downhill from there, there's probably not a good fellowship thing is happening there. So if you're in a Bible study and the fellowship isn't great, let's figure out a different Bible study we might be able to join, start your own Bible study, those kind of things. it can be good even just to have a, a text chain you know we have uh, our our ministry has just a text chain with all of us in it and every now and then somebody just wants to say something and you can get attention and focus and that kind of thing uh the fellows have our own text chain that, that we
0: speak not of
1: that's uh but Glenn <laughs>
0: how is this never mentioning it <laughs> this is we do
1: it's a it, it it's a, it it's not uh, uh you know uh, safe for the ears of the back seat generally speaking what are ears uh and so that's you know sometimes we have to uh you know But we're venting things and we're talking about things and celebrating each other's successes and all those kind of things. I I think looking at adding in fellowship, allowing that to uh, fill in the gaps, having, you know, if you had a, there there was something about the service that really got to you, being able to talk about that with somebody would be great, you know, figuring out how to kind of vibe off of that and how do we take that to the next level. I think that's uh, really the key for taking things to the next level, yeah, oh,
0: yeah I that's all fantastic stuff from these guys. those are all very very good tips. One thing I would throw at the end here um it's one of those it was a surely a, a just a throwaway line he didn't think twice that, but it was some a a bridge pastor said to said years and years ago that i, I think about a lot is a guy we all really respect he was very happy in no denomination He's a really, really great preacher um he we used to meet at the church he was the interim pastor of, and he came down one one kind of they had a meeting. He was just kind of hanging out, and I said, "No, pastor, how's your night?" And he just kind of looked around. And he said, "I don't like to come. I just always bring my Tupperware, get something to fill it up with." And I just love that analogy because one thing uh, Lee kind of mentioned the the conversations we have offline about preaching. One of the things we talk about a lot about here is the idea that um, people can only absorb so many ideas, and you combine that with the idea that. Um, you can't, okay, so you go there on Sunday, you want to make a positive, you want to make a change in your life, make a positive change in your community, do something for somebody else. You can do none of that in the pew on Sunday for you are in the pew. So we can gear our walk and our Sunday morning experience, like Glenn is talking about, and we can put it through that lens of, I want to really invest and I want to get fired up and I want to pay, you know, I want to rise when pastor kind of raises his voice or gets really emotional. And those are parts I want to pay attention to. There's nothing wrong with those, but that experience is inherently limited. Now as all these guys and Jed started off will really good tips to take the limited emotionality that there is there and how to kind of dole that out. But there are hopefully things in that Sunday morning experience, be that stuff from the worship stuff, from the prayer time, the teaching time, the fellowship time that you can take in, put in your Tupperware and use that later on when you're having a conversation, when you're in a tough moment. And I think almost all good churches I've been to have both have, and want to find the right mix of those. So some of this is what we're looking for. If you're trying to get more and more fired up, you're going to miss the little, the little nugget. That's the thing that you can take with you. But I would say maybe take some time and try to focus on not so much. What's the thing that's going to get me most fired up today, but what's that little thing that I'm going to, squirtle away for later in the week, in the month, in my life, whatever, and see if that doesn't uh, change the way you f- you feel about how prepared you are. I think it, it can have a pretty big impact. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at dot thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We were talking about the, uh we were answering the question about the, the tension, the funkiness, yeah. as, as Jed put it, he brought up an important question, I think. And that's, where did this funkiness come from? Yes. Oh. Well, here uh, at Round Bridge, uh, Say That HQ, we answer that question as the funkiness comes from the pool house guru. Oh, yes. Oh, I see. We take it out with such a track. This is the pool house guru's version of Down by the Riverside. Oh. That. Thanks for listening. To right. this one. We love you. God bless you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: I'm tuning into the 2019 technical Faddies to see who won best outro writer. Oh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lay down my No more. No, I'm gonna lay down my cares. Watch me lay him down for real. In the prophets, yeah, it says that a day is gonna come when nobody gonna raise a sword up against anyone, and we'll melt our weapons down and we'll turn them into tools. Yeah, I know that's hard to fathom, but a day is coming soon when war was once an art, we won't appreciate it. When war was once a course, we won't matriculate it. When war was once the pattern, we won't replicate it. When once the norm, we ain't participating Cause I ain't gonna study war no more No, I ain't gonna study war no more No, no I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside. And I ain't gonna study war no more, no more, no more, no more, no more. And I ain't gonna study war no more, no more, no more, no more, no more.